The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at the reasons that we ought to get the message of the gospel right. Paul tells the Galatians in the first chapter that the message matters. You see, it matters to God whether we preach the truth about him correctly. He's God, and beside him there is none other. God expects us to get the message about him and his salvation correct because he is indeed God, and everything he does is true and right. But it also matters to us, because without the right message, we cannot approach ministry in the right way. Without the right message, we can't approach life in the right way. The gospel is the good news, and that good news should affect every aspect of our daily life on this earth. But it's only good news when we get the message right. Join us today for the conclusion of this message entitled, The Message Matters. But first, we have a song selection that we hope will be uplifting and edifying to you.
understand that the sacrifice of Christ is all that was sufficient to get us to heaven. See, he tells those Galatians over in the fifth chapter, you can turn there sometime and read it. He said, stand fast, verse one, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherein Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's telling them this, this affects our labors here because we are to serve God. We're, we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto him, which is our reasonable service. But don't ever think you're presenting your body as the sacrifice to put away sins. You're presenting your body as a living sacrifice because of what Christ's sacrifice has done for us. And there's a difference in service and servitude. And believe me, I've seen it in my life. I've got a good friend who believes He's just hoping. He's just got this uh, desperate hope almost that, that one day when the judgment, at the judgment seat of God, at the end of his life, that his good works that he's done since he became a Christian is going to outweigh those bad works he did before he became a Christian. He's just so worried about that. What a servitude. What a yoke of bondage that is. See, the right message, the message affects our labors here. It affects our lives here. It affects us in so many ways. It affects the way we forgive one another. Brother Kenneth mentioned that already. Remember what he says, though, over in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You say, I've had it up to here. I'm fed up with that, brother. That neighbor of mine's just pushed me one step too far. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. What if Jesus had said that? And he had a right to. He had a right to. You know, if you're having trouble with your neighbor, you're probably part of the cause. <laughs> I've, very, I've seen very few situations where neighbors were fussing over something, a landline or a fence or something like that where both parties weren't just a little bit to blame. Maybe they were mostly to blame, but you, you probably got, you might not have reacted in the right way. We're told that we're to forgive one another as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. There's a dear old brother up in Arab that I knew. He was a preacher up there, pastor of the church that we went to for a while. Had a, had a, Dispute with his neighbor over the landline. He'd put up a fence and the neighbor said it was on his property. He said, uh, I think it was three feet. The neighbor came to him mad and he said, Brother Kelly, said, you're going to have to move that fence. You're three feet over on my side. Brother Kelly looked at him and said, Brother, you move it as far as you want to move it. He said, because all I really ever got to have is about a six foot by three foot plot about four feet deep. <laughs> That's all I'll need one day. He just reacted in love. He showed him the love of Christ. You know what they never had again? They never had a dispute again, him and that neighbor. See, it affects the way we forgive one another. See, now, if you believe that Christ did his part and you've got to still do yours, then that's kind of the way you'll treat your neighbor, right? Well, I've done all I can do. Now it's up to him. But that's not what the, grace, that's what, not what the gospel teaches. It affects the way we love one another. It affects the way we love one another. Remember the new commandment that Christ gave them in John chapter 13? He said that you love one another, and he went on to describe it. He said, as I have loved you, 
So love ye one another. Now they could not understand that completely in that context until Christ went to the cross. But I can see those disciples, those apostles, looking back after Christ had gone to the cross and had been buried and was resurrected and went back to heaven, thinking back, you know, he gave us that commandment and said we're supposed to love each other like he loved us. You know, we didn't get it then, but we get it now. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. He laid down his life. And by the way, that's the way people will know you're his disciples. It's not by how right you are about the doctrines of grace, but it's about how much you love one another. Love in action, as Brother Kenneth has already told us. It affects the way we love and live with one another. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I had, a, I had a man one time tell me this, and I know I've shared it with the church already, but I'll share it with you again because it illustrates this point so well. Uh, there was a man that I, I was counseling uh, in regard to some marital difficulties he was having, and he said, yeah, I, you know, I was explaining you got to love like Christ loved the church, and he made this statement. He said, yeah, but Brother Chris said she's got to do her part. <laughs> you know why he said that? Because he didn't understand what Christ had done for his bride. He went all the way. He went all the way. It affects our lives. It affects our outlook. You remember what uh, David the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27, 13? He said, I had fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The good news of the gospel gives us hope in the land of the living. You know, we're not going to need the gospel in heaven, not the preached gospel. We're going to be in the presence of the living gospel in heaven. We're going to experience the fruits, the fruition, the bringing to fruition of the gospel message. But we need the gospel here and now. Over in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, we read this, use this often here in this pulpit, but... It's so important. Listen to what he says. For which cause we faint not. This is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Paul says, But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. But look at verse 17. That's what I really wanted to get to. Verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I always tell you when I go here to turn to the 11th chapter, I believe it is, and read about that light affliction so-called. If our view is here earthly and our view is only on the things of this earth, those light afflictions, the beatings and the shipwreck and those things are very, very heavy afflictions. Whatever you've got going in your life right now, sickness, problems at work, problems in the family, Issues with others, uh, just mental health struggles, physical struggles, whatever it may be. They're just light afflictions if you're a child of God. And you know how you know that? Because you know the gospel message, which says that Jesus has put away your sin and has made a place for you in heaven. That's what Paul said lifted him up. You know, I realize most people see Romans eight twenty eight as a... Providence verse, all things without exception are working to our good. That's not what I see in the world. All things aren't working for my good. I can tell you that. This diabetes I got is not helping me out one bit, Brother Mackey. Brother Mackey's back pain is not helping him out one bit. It's working against him. 
Anything else, I can name it in your life. You can name it in your own life. It's not working for you. This, this, this tragic, this death uh, of this dear brother down there in McClinney is not working for the good of Brother David Crawford. <laughs> I tell you that. The death of Brother Warren and the, the loss of death is not working for our good. But you know what it is doing? God is overruling that. He is overruling that because when we die, that's a precious day in his sight. But the tragedies and troubles of life are not working in our favor. They're working against us. And that's why we got to get our focus off of those things. The Romans 28 folks that believe it's all things without exception say, well, you know, everything's working together in some way. And you may can figure it out and you may not. But, you know, you can kind of put it all together and it's going to be for your good. Forget about that. You're going to wear yourself out trying to figure that out. I, I, I used to believe that. I know whereof I speak, I used to believe that. And I'd wear, why is this diabetes that my daughter has, how is that working for my good? I know, Lord, you've got a purpose in it. Listen to me. Uh, the, the reason that, that, that we have sickness and death, you can blame it on a man named Adam, okay? You can blame it on him. The reason we have hope, you can give that glory to God, you see. God is overruling that. And that's what Paul's saying here. I'm not trying to figure out God's purpose in all these things. He said, I'm just looking at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. See, that message, that gospel message that there is a, there is a hope for us. There is a haven for us. There is an ultimate end for us that is better. You know, he said in Romans uh, uh, 8 and verse 18, he said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. What he's saying there is this, is that when we get to heaven... There's not going to be some ledger up there that has on one side all the glories of heaven and on the other side all the, all the troubles of this life. Because there's not going to be a place for any of the troubles of this life to even be counted in comparison to the glory. They're not worthy to be compared. You say, preacher, I went through cancer. Uh, that was probably one. I, well, no, that doesn't compare to the glory of being in the presence of God. I lost my daddy. I lost my mama. I lost my son. Let me put it. Well, wait a minute. They're here. I'm visiting with them now. I'm fellowshipping with them. You see, none of that is going to be counted up there. And that message affects our outlook. It gives us an uplook, does it not? The message matters. It affects our ministry. I don't just mean preachers. It affects our ministry here as children of God. See, if we don't get the message right, we'll be tempted to compromise. I'm going to use this example Back many years ago, right after the same-sex marriage ruling was issued by our Supreme Court, there was a lot of talk in the newspapers around that time. It might have been a little before, might have been a little after. But I want to share with you an example of how the wrong message can influence you uh, to compromise. There was this preacher in Birmingham, and this is kind of a quote, best I could get it. He said, last summer a person attending the church where he preached, accepted Christ and asked to be baptized. He said, I baptized him. Four weeks later, he fell down dead of an aortic aneurysm. And this preacher said, I believe a soul may have been saved because 
of this preacher's compromised stance on homosexuality and welcoming them into the church, uh, practicing homosexual. Well, listen now, if I believed that it were up to me to get folks to heaven, I'd be tempted to change the message and compromise too. If it was up to me to make sure that, uh, that one more person got into the covenant of grace, then, then I'd probably tell them whatever they wanted to hear just to try to get them to make a decision to, uh, to accept Jesus or to do whatever was necessary, to pray the prayer, to hold on or to let go or get baptized or whatever you want to add to what Jesus has done. I'd be, comp- I'd be tempted to compromise on that. See, the message matters. As it is, I don't have to compromise. Because Jesus took, Jesus paid it all. Jesus took care of his children. Those who have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world will be in heaven. And we can speak truth to them. We can speak truth to the world because it's not up to us. It's not on us to get people to heaven. And by the way, as we sort of bring this to a conclusion tonight. If we don't get the gospel message right, will it really be good news? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Not if we see ourselves as sinners. I, I always go back to what Elder Luke Hagler said in a message from the pulpit here at Zion. Talking about when he was in a, an order that believed you had to accept Jesus in order to go to heaven. He said, I accepted Jesus a thousand times. I've heard others say that. They accepted Jesus a thousand times. You know what? They did it one time publicly like the preacher said do it, but they were never satisfied with that. Because you know what happens? You, you know what's going to happen. We're all in this great spirit right now. You know, we feel the spirit of the Lord, and I feel, feel like, as they say, I could charge hell with a water pistol right now. I feel good. I feel, uh, I feel strong in the faith. But as soon as we dismiss tonight, Probably before bedtime, my faith will be wavering. And by the time we get to Wednesday of this coming week, there's no telling where my mind will be. It'll be all over the place. And and I will have let down the Lord. I will have committed sin again. And if I thought that my commitment was what got me to heaven, I would be struggling. I would be struggling. What a burden it was for those Jews to go about and try to establish their own righteousness. And Paul said, listen, you just need to understand that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. See, the message matters. Let, let, let me share this with you as we kind of bring this to a conclusion. There's a big deal right now about this movie about Napoleon. If you recall the, uh, from history, Napoleon uh, uh, was trying to conquer Europe and he was going to conquer England, and, and there came a time, actually June 18th of 1815, when the Duke of Wellington was leading the Danish and German and English forces against Napoleon and his grand army at the Battle of Waterloo. Everybody knew that it was going down that day. The people of England knew that their future lay on the line. The news of the battle was being passed across the channel, the English Channel there, by means of, of a light relay system flashing out Morse code. And they had people stationed on the European continent there 
flashing these signals to boats in the English Channel, which were re relaying them on to the, uh, uh, to the southern coast of England. And there was a sentinel up in Winchester Cathedral right there on the coast who was watching these flashing lights beginning to give the outcome of the battle. And as it flashed out letter by letter and word by word, the message came through, Wellington defeated. And at that moment, a heavy fog cast down upon the English Channel as it often did. And it obscured any further communication. And this sentry passed the message along and relayed it to his companions and they took it out across the countryside and the news spread Wellington defeated across uh, the land of England there and the people became depressed and in despair and disillusioned and defeated because England clearly had been lost to Napoleon that mad Frenchman had won no more hope no more liberty no more England it was all over with but then the fog lifted the fog lifted and the sentry returned to his post there at Winchester Cathedral. He went back to his duties and began to feverishly attempt to transmit the full story. Wellington defeated the enemy. <laughs> Wellington defeated the enemy. What a difference the message makes. When we get the message wrong, we're not giving good news. We're not spreading the hope of the gospel. We're sending out a message that is compromised, a message that will pull you down into the depths of despair. Because when we see ourselves as sinners, we must recognize that we need a Savior. Not someone who tried to save us, not someone who will be our Savior if we'll let Him, but someone who has saved His people from their sins. That's why Paul says, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He said, it's not another. There's some that want to trouble you. See, that other gospel, that other message troubles us. It doesn't, it doesn't comfort us. It troubles us. And he says this in verse 8, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed and then he repeats it as we said before so say I now again if any man preach unto you any other gospel than that you have received let him be accursed beloved the message matters I, I, I see that the, the message is perverted the message is compromised out there in the religious world let's don't let that be the case from here at Zion Church because Jesus died to save his people from their sins, and he did just that. You see, the message is not, Jesus will save you if. The message is, Jesus saved you, period. And when we see that message, we can have hope and not despair. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. 
If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.